Welcome to the Triage Method podcast. This time we're live. We're trying out this little YouTube live thing. So if anyone is watching this live, hello. You're probably not. Most of you are probably listening to this. But yeah, we're just going to try this out. Today, me and Patty are together. So you get to see us together. And hopefully the audio will be a little bit better because we have a mic. We've got an Ethernet cable hooked up to the internet here in Cork. So it should be pretty good. What are we talking about today, Patty? Well, today, first of all, actually, Gary, just go on Instagram there. And tell people that we're actually live while I speak. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, today we're going to be talking about retiring flexibility as a major component of fitness because a paper came out on a paper came out on this recently, uh, like this week, and um, well, last week. If you're listening to this on Monday on the podcast, um, and it caused a, a little bit of stir in the fitness community, right? And it really shouldn't have if, first of all, you've been keeping up to date with the research. And what I mean by keeping up to date, I mean you've read research in the last 10 years. Um, and secondly, it really shouldn't have caused a stir if people could actually read English. Right? Because the, the paper was arguing that we should retire flexibility training, whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, as a major component of fitness right and everyone effectively took that as we should retire flexibility as a component of fitness and they just completely left out the major right like and we were talking to people online uh in dms or in like on facebook and different places and everyone who was arguing against it just refused effectively to identify that you know this this uh word was the, the key mm-hmm. that to the whole sentence, to the whole message, right? And all their arguments would effectively come around as saying, oh, here's an incidence, or here's a, a population, or here's a, an individual, etc., that could benefit from flexibility mm-hmm. training, right? And th- that, that was the same position or argument, standpoint, whatever you want to say, as what the paper was claiming, right? But because they literally just read retire flexibility oh no no no! i disagree with that right and i'm gonna state my implicit biases going into this whole discussion we're going to have like i actually really like flexibility training right like again like i've said it before like for certain populations a population of which i am in we do brazilian Mm jiu-jitsu you know can be hugely valuable right and again in certain circumstances hugely valuable can be a great component of fitness to have in your overall program you know but does that mean like again i'm saying i like it i like training flexibility i think it's really soothing i think it's nice i have both splits i have a near quote-unquote perfect you know back bridge you know i'm i basically have hypermobility right um like i even do flexibility training on my wrists so i can't be wrist locked in jujitsu like it's impossible now i literally have like (laughs) thumb to uh wrist can't be wrist locked but anyway uh so i think it's great I, that's my bias going into this but still i don't think it's a major component of fitness you know i think it's a minor component that could benefit certain populations and can be used in an intelligent manner if you know the the population or the specifics demand it you know i think that's it shouldn't be contentious mm-hmm. you know but anyway Gary, what are your thoughts set the scene What's the discussion? Argument? Whatever. Yeah, so I thought this was interesting because, 
like coming from the background of like both personal training and and physiotherapy when i look at the kind of landscape of maybe the people who i would follow who i think would be up to date in the research and you know their their recommendations are generally pretty sound you know most people would have already kind of had this stance that you know yeah flexibility and the tools that are often used to attain better flexibility is not something that needs to be at the top of our hierarchy, you know, when we're giving people recommendations, you know, like th that's, that's the case most of the time. And that would be most people's stance. It's fairly reasonable. Um, obviously there are more people, there were some people who still have, you know, some beliefs about maybe you need to stretch before you work out to prevent injury and that sort of stuff. But they're kind of peripheral views that like, they're not, it's not that big a deal at the end of the day. So I, I think like when I, when I read this paper and I kind of, I shared it and I saw other people sharing it, I was kind of like, oh yeah, this is a fairly reasonable stance, fair play to this guy for going to the effort of, you know, putting together the, some of the research that we have to show that like, this probably isn't the most important for most people. However, as you said, most people read that as saying that flexibility doesn't matter, stretching doesn't matter, you should never focus on it, range of motion is irrelevant. And then people start to present you, you with these kind of, niche circumstances whereby I think most people would agree that flexibility is a more important consideration. You know, for example, if someone has gone through some sort of surgery or they've had some sort of um, injury that has reduced their range of motion, regaining range of motion is a is still a priority. Um, flexibility is part of that. There are different tissues um, and systems within the body that are going to contribute to that. But at the end of the day, it, no one was suggesting that that uh, range of motion was irrelevant and something that we should just never focus on again. So I think you do have to kind of read between the lines there. And as you said, one of the big words in the title of the paper and presented throughout the paper, I thought, was that it's not a major component of fitness. And when we're thinking about like what a component of fitness is, you can think of maybe more sports specific components of fitness, which would be our typical uh, maybe muscle strength, Maybe you could say something like power or explosive strength or high velocity strength or whatever way you want to think about it. Um, you could talk about your aerobic fitness um, and then something like flexibility might come in there um, as a kind of maybe a sport specific component of fitness. And then you've also got your health related components of fitness, such as a very obvious one for most people, like body composition, like that's still a component of fitness to some degree. And when you start to think about all of those things and you start to think about what we would want to recommend as a major component of fitness for the vast majority of the population, we have a lot of evidence to suggest that we should be definitely recommending that people engage in resistance training and focus on increasing their muscle strength. One of the things that we know as part of that is that flexibility or, or more specifically like joint range of motion tends to improve as a result of that. And people are stronger across a, across a larger range of joint ranges of motion. So that's kind of happening there already. And most resistance training that is carried out, you know, carried out well and carried out across a wide variety of exercises tends to take most joints through most of their range of motion anyway. So when you start to think about that, you can start to get an idea of, of, of why people would say, Although we don't need to necessarily consider it or recommend it as a major component of fitness, because if someone engages in the rest of our recommendations, their flexibility is probably being taken mm -hmm. care of. Now, if you have never exercised, for example, someone in an ICU in the intensive care unit, they're immobile, you know, focusing on just joint range of motion on its own and focusing on, you're still putting muscles under tension with stretch that might even maintain a little bit of muscle mass, you know, but again, very specific situation. And I certainly wouldn't con consider that to justify it being a major component of fitness per mm. se. Yeah, I think we should actually just take a little bit of a step back 
and first of all discuss flexibility Mm -hmm. right because then we can kind of go okay in these situations it's a good idea maybe in these situations it isn't a good idea maybe a few different modalities of stretching whatever we can discuss that stuff right um however we then need to go on to and actually discuss you know this this topic of uh the components of fitness right so we'll discuss flexibility now then go on to different components of fitness and then because we've talked about it before to an extent you know the different uh parts of a training program you might design you know we've we've talked about that kind of stuff before in terms of you know this is this these are the things programming wise you should be thinking of and you know this is how we set up a program and maybe we haven't touched on flexibility integrating that into it uh, as maybe we should have before you know and um, because again it wouldn't be for us at least a major component for the vast majority of yeah. people we're working with so you know maybe perhaps we're we're being disingenuous and we're on we're just getting our biases <laughs> here tickled you know because it's like oh well we don't program it as a major component of fitness right however even people who say they focus on flexibility as a major component of fitness realistically the majority of them are actually focusing on strength yeah. as a major component of fitness right and that'll make a bit more sense when we kind of discuss flexibility a little bit more right so gary you are a physiotherapist a qualified certified physiotherapist right Please. Um, so what is flexibility right discuss it in I suppose layman's terms, but then maybe give us a little bit of the science behind it. So, like flexibility, I'm. What's the story? Yeah, so like I, I suppose like your kind of baseline one hundred one like understanding of flexibility would be you know the range of motion through which your joints can go. You know, very very simply, but it, it is more specific than that, of course. Typically, when people start to kind of subdivide like what we actually mean by flexibility, you're talking about the the range of motion your joint can work through essentially passively more or less mm-hmm. so it's you it's you using some sort of external force whether it be for example in a hamstring stretch pulling on your toes to try and get into the deepest position you can or whether it be maybe a therapist uh, pushing your leg into a straight leg raise position and seeing how much range of motion you can get that's typically what people are talking about when they talk about flexibility or at least that would be my understanding of how most people would understand it it's that we're talking about a sort of a passive quality of your fitness a passive quality that describes how much range of motion a given joint can work through that's different to something like what someone might call you know your active range of motion or quote-unquote mobility which is more so the, the range of motion that you can actually work through yourself so what can you actually control so an example of that would be a, a passive a passive example would be someone taking your leg into a straight leg raise pushing it as far as they can go and see what joint range of motion we can attain. An active example would be you lifting that leg up yourself with the antagonist muscles or the muscles on the opposite side of the joint that do the opposite movement, essentially. So typically, you're going to see some difference between those two things. You're typically going to see that someone has a larger passive range of motion than their active range of motion at any given joint most of the time. Um, So that's when we start to kind of subdivide those things and get a bit more specific in terms of what are we actually recommending for people? Because a lot of the time, you know, it, it might be a more active component that someone actually requires, but that might actually entail you, you know, working on, on, on passive flexibility, so to speak, as well along the way. And there's also, it also gets far more specific in terms of like, you could say cold versus warm flexibility, as in like, like this is one of the things that you see as a, a kind of a, a trick that a lot of physios or gurus will do a lot of the time is 
they'll measure flexibility, like let's say a sit and reach test or or, or, or something, some other form of, of assessing flexibility, because um, the sit and reach is kind of active if you think about it. Um, but basically you do some sort of assessment of joint range of motion, and then you do basically any exercise for any, any muscle around that joint, or you repeat the stretches a few times, you get warmed up, and then you've, you've essentially gonna have, you're gonna have a larger range of motion then. Um, so that's some, one of the things you'll often see is that when someone receives a certain therapy, let's say some sort of manual therapy, and then they reassess the range of motion after, it is improved. However, you could basically do anything and improve the range of motion anyway. Um, so the point there being that it is a malleable thing in that you might notice that after a workout, your flexibility is really reduced. Um, that could be due to a number of factors. It could be due to the presence of pain or associated with the presence of pain. It could be the muscle damage and the other things we were talking about a few podcasts ago in the delayed onset muscle soreness episode. Um, and then on, on a, during a workout, you might notice that, oh, my range of motion feels really, really good. And, you know, you might notice that it's a really cold day. You're cold, you're tired, you're stressed, you haven't slept well, and you, you could just feel bit tight, bit, bit stiff, and maybe your flexibility might actually be reduced. So, um, And that's obviously not hard and fast as well. Like, again, yeah. like you could be during your workout and you'd be like, oh, okay, said blood flow, said movement could enhance my, my flexibility. And you could actually notice a decrement you know got too much blood the in the muscle pump. yeah you're just like ridiculously juicy pump you know like we always get that. Yeah, yeah you know yourself um but and then your your flexibility and even your mobility may be impacted mm-hmm. by something like that yeah. so again it's not a cut and dry thing but i think you are right in identifying that when most people are talking about flexibility they do kind of marry a few different things together and they're like oh flexibility and mobility uh, and they kind of effectively put those two things together and in my mind, I'm like mobility is just like resistance training. That should be mobility training. Yeah. You know, like that's I I don't see there shouldn't be a key difference between that. Now, you might do some certain things which are not being hit with your your resistance training. You know, you might do you might be like, oh well, I don't get it. whatever my training program right now is not touching on these muscles, mm-hmm. so I'm going to do some specific mobility to maintain that range of motion in, in this. But again, that comes down to a, a more of a programming thing. Um, but what most people are talking about, again, what this paper is talking about, now, I only read it quickly earlier mm-hmm. on in the week because I still had exams, so uh, I didn't fucking dive deep and look into every single last thing, every reference they did or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were talking about flexibility, yeah. right? Um, and again, flexibility is, like you said, it's it's more of a passive thing. And that doesn't mean that it's not actively done. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, it's passive in terms of, like, if I get your wrist and I go like this, like, yeah. that's passive for you, right? But when we're talking about active it's like you can't put your hand into that yeah. position like there's no like the range is different like i can passively move you into this range and you can actively go to that range but we could get you to do a load of like we're going to do some reps here or we're going to do some like resist this you know or resist it this and that way. would improve and it would improve then you're like oh my god like you fix my you fix my right. wrist flexibility you know um so again like you you have to take that whole thought process into the, the discussion going forward that what we're talking about is flexibility it is somewhat passive but that doesn't mean that it's so clearly delineated from the mobility stuff and obviously even though it's a little bit hard to fully cut them between it's like this is flexibility and yeah. this is mobility and again this is why the discussion starts going in between like oh it's flexibility and it's mobility it's like they're so interrelated that it's very hard to pull them apart yeah. but effectively we're doing this by saying that one is passive and one is active, yeah. right? Um, even though obviously they play into each other, they enhance or detract from each other, right? Um, 
So you can, in your head right now, whether you are just a layman listening to this or you are a coach, a high level coach listening to this, you can think in your head, be like, all right, well, I know for certain populations that I have, that I'm dealing with certain people that either flexibility or mobility work for them is, is going to be a good thing for whatever given situation. Again, you might have a power lifter, they might have some tight ankles and or knees or hips or fucking, again, tight. They're like, oh, I don't have the active mobility to get in there. But you're like, okay, well, we have the sport that demands these ranges. So we're going to have to go beyond what you actively can control. Now, again, we can make an argument that that's a, a bad long-term decision, you know, potentially. potentially. Um, but again, it's like, this is what your sport demands. And again, if you're saying, I want to be good at this sport or, you know, do this sport then that's what your sport demands it's like you have to have a certain amount yeah. of flexibility or mobility to do that so working on it if you don't already have it it's probably a good thing you know so again you might have someone you might be like okay cool we're going to stretch out your ankles before we go into your your squats or again your bench press you're like at the bottom range of my bench press i don't I just, it's very i don't have the strength for that the range for that maybe we do some stretches on your pecs and stuff so you're like i feel a little bit more open going into that or again your wrist in the bench press you're like i don't have the the range for different things again i'm just taking paradise as an example but you could take it as like again like we do present jiu-jitsu so you could easily say like well there's a huge flexibility component of that like again like you know like yourself where it's like you actually want to have as large uh, a passive range of motion as you possibly can because it gives you so much more time to uh, maneuver in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, you could also argue that, ideally, you want to have that as active range of motion yeah. as well. I'd be like, okay, I can be passively stretched into this, but I'd love to be able to actively get into this and then be, still be strong in this position. You know, again, like you can make that argument, but either way, you do want to have a large degree of flexibility. Now, just so we'll come back to this when we start talking about a few different ways that people train flexibility. Because um, again, like if we're, if we're then saying that, again, flexibility, mobility, they interrelate. There's obviously different ways to train for all of those, but we'll come back to that excuse me, in a second. Um, but anyway, so I don't know if that covers flexibility for everyone enough, but effectively it's what people classically think as stretching, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's passive. Um, mobility is active. They are different things, even though people kind of put them together. There's a reason people put them together because they're interrelated and they, they influence each other. Um, but yeah, does that do you think that covers everything for flexibility just yeah as, as yeah a like, a, like as, as you said there the you can you take all these different fitness qualities and a lot of them are inherently like interlinked and it's hard to talk like you can totally subdivide them all for like especially for like an academic pursuit if you're trying to really measure things precisely great but for our kind of real world discussion like you using those definitions of flexibility and mobility is perfectly fine you know um, and as, as we said there's still going to be a crossover with things like strength training for example if I'm doing a paused RDL at a deficit at the end range of my hamstring or my hamstring length, then you could argue that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a stretch, so to speak. You know, I'm doing some sort of stretch that's pulling me into that position, but you're also still doing active work with a lot of muscles very clearly. It's not a passive movement. So that's why there is this kind of crossover and why we're probably going to make the case for saying that, look, most people probably don't need to stress too much about worrying do they have a flexibility program you know or it shouldn't be it doesn't necessarily need to be in our health related guidelines but we'll get to that yeah so i think the next thing we should go on to and then we can kind of because it, it, it ties in the different modalities people use for flexibility slash mobility training the next thing we should actually talk about is the components of training right because if we're saying that this this should be retired as a major component of fitness whatever you want to call that and um, 
like we should obviously cover and touch on the other components right and um, because then we can start going into okay so again think program design think of how you might bring some things in and how you would then train them effectively right so again if we talk about the components of fitness like obviously we touched on it at the start of this podcast but we could argue strength is a component of fitness you know we could argue we'll say cardio that again encompasses aerobic anaerobic again you can subdivide it if you yeah. want um but cardiovascular fitness again you can you could argue that something like you said earlier on like body composition is a component of fitness or health or whatever you want to do it uh, put it down as and they would be kind of the, the major ones would say cardiovascular <clears throat> exercise fitness whatever uh resistance training or strength training because again you get a byproduct of hypertrophy from that potentially which again you could you could say is a major component of mm-hmm. fitness but also you could also then subdivide that into body composition you know increasing muscle mass and decreasing body fat you know uh, again we could you could either put the hyper, hypertrophy in with the strength training or with the, the body composition yeah. it really again these are not clear cut but in my mind i'd be like they are the the major components of fitness now obviously that goes under a bigger topic of you know health and fitness that's yeah. the whole industry that we're in it's health and fitness so you, even though we're talking about this like obviously they do also relate with the the other and potentially bigger uh, component which is health and fitness so again it falls under the bracket of health and this is why generally we talk about you know the three main goals of people in the health and fitness industry it's you know improve body composition in, improve performance again whatever that means for you it could be mental performance it could be cardiovascular performance it could be you know muscular strength performance sporting performance whatever could also be flexibility performance if that's the thing that you want to do agility anything like whatever like all those qualities right and again then body composition as well is the other one that we have when we say the three three major goals and so if we're saying then just to bring it back a step we're saying that the components of fitness strength cardiovascular fitness um and then we'll say body composition is is in there again hypertrophy fat loss that also contributes to health so again you could put it into that but whatever um obviously you can subdivide all of them down and this is effectively where we start getting into the minor components of fitness right and again this is when you if you just again look at the paper and read the headline where it's like or the title where it's like major component of fitness do you think again just listening whoever's listening to this or looking at this thinking about it it's like okay well what are the major components you know if you were like i have an individual that is extremely short on time right and they want to maximize all those three things we talked about their health body composition and performance right are you going to spend the majority of your time doing flexibility work right again you say we have three hours per week that's it right and you have to maximize even less with like two hours per week right two hours and you have to maximize things as much as possible the overall health and fitness of this individual are you going to be spending the majority of that time doing flexibility work for the majority of people probably not no no right no. again can we think of examples where maybe that would probably be a good use of time like again like if you're a gymnast it's like this is probably a good use of time right you know if you are someone that is extremely inflexible 
I would even argue that it's probably not the best use of your time and I'd probably just get you yeah, stronger right. again yeah. like again that's with thing, whatever but again we'll come back to that when we start talking about modalities and stuff um, but you can make arguments for certain individuals where it's like yeah okay cool this actually does become a major component of fitness but for the vast majority of people listening to this and just in the world in general you know the major components of fitness if you were to be like we need to maximize things it's like get stronger and get fitter in terms of cardiovascular fitness if we can achieve those two things again like we can break out break down what that means for that individual but those in my mind are the major things because obviously that impacts the body composition stuff assuming the diet is on point and everything so in, in my mind at least and again you're you as an individual listening to this or you gary here are more than entitled to have a difference of opinion on this but in my mind the major components of fitness are strength and cardiovascular fitness so what are your thoughts on that yeah like i totally agree like when i'm thinking about like how we would like when i'm thinking about right how are we going to give people recommendations for what they should be doing to improve their health you have to kind of start by thinking all right what are the big problems in like modern healthcare what are the things that are likely to be a burden to me to you to everyone watching this when we start to grow up it's things like diabetes obesity sarcopenia frailty and like that's funny because they're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum but they can absolutely coexist so like it's not because i think some people just think that it's just a case of like obesity is bad whereas like the opposite side of the spectrum of being frail is also bad you know being frail having osteoporosis having sarcopenia which is basically just a loss of muscle mass uh, weakness like they're bad things as well so when i'm starting to think about all those different things the different problems that people are likely to to deal with as they age you then ask like what are the recommendations that are going to have the biggest bang for your book there and obviously if we're talking about sarcopenia as being being a problem the loss of muscle mass the loss of bone mass resistance training weight-bearing exercise is going to be a big big priority when we're making recommendations as to what people should do to try and improve their health that also then crosses over into diabetes territory and obesity territory because independent of any changes in in body weight we know that muscle contraction and having more muscle is helpful for things like blood glucose regulation, you know, and that's obviously a big priority for someone who's diabetic. You know, if you're not able to uptake glucose into your cells anymore and you've got that muscle contraction that can help that, that can potentially reduce like further disease processes later on. So like there's very clear rationale for all of these things that could potentially improve someone's health. So resistance training, big part of it. Again, aerobic exercise and also it's also a massive part of it. One of the things that you see very clearly is that people with lower VO2 max, VO2 maxes, which is basically a measure of your aerobic fitness, they die sooner. They have more disease. They have poor quality of life. It's not a good time. And again, that's pretty much independent of the resistance training. So it's not just a case of us saying, we like lifting, so, you know, everyone should lift. It's like, oh, yeah, no, we like lifting, but like, actually, you should try and be fit too. You know, there's the, the runners out in the street every night. They're doing things right, and you should take things from them too. And just you know? on that, that's because I know people always then get this confused. We've, we've done podcasts as well on cardio, and we actually have a few planned as well later on. Well, yeah. I don't know if you'll even see the list that I have, but anyway, um, we have a few planned later on. But that doesn't mean that you can't do or that you shouldn't do anaerobic work because that oh, yeah, can obviously inf- influence your aerobic capacity 100%. then as well. And then obviously anaerobic capacity, whatever you want to call it, also is a component of yeah. fitness, you know? So don't get it twisted and think like, oh, they're saying that you have to be both ends of the spectrum and do like strength training and yeah. purely aerobic training. It's like, you can still do anaerobic training. And like, I do anaerobic training. I also do aerobic training, but that also does improve 
your aerobic capacity. Yes. So even though you're saying aerobic, just to clarify for people listening, that doesn't mean yeah. that <laughs> no anaerobic. <laughs> yeah, like it's just kind of my catch-all term, you know, you say aerobic fitness. But like, I mean, if you're doing like really hard sprints, you know, people call them anaerobic, but it still can massively increase your VO2 max. Yeah, repeated so, sprint efforts. Yeah. It's like, maybe it's, if you did just one, it's yeah. anaerobic, but you know, no one's doing just one exactly yeah and like and like you like doing a combination of those types of activity like you know shorter more intense stuff with breaks that's repeated and the longer kind of slow and steady stuff there might be some complementary adaptations there so i like to encourage most most of my clients to try and do both anyway but um you know for the most of the population if people are doing 30 minutes steady state i'm like a day or, or a few times a week i'm like that's pretty damn good going so like you can see how even when we're talking about resistance training and aerobic training if we were to give population-based guidelines still going to be keeping them pretty simple like we're not going to be saying right we want the acsm or the hse or whatever to put out guidelines like all right you got to do five by five de- deficit deadlifts like it's like it's not even that it's like challenge your muscles a few times a week like that's a good starting point so you can see that there's like a really low barrier of entry there like where it's like right let's get something done so therefore to introduce something like flexibility where we're kind of like ah yeah yeah there might be benefits for a small portion of the population to introduce that into our kind of wide catch-all guidelines like it's it's just it's just not a very useful part of people's time especially when you consider that these flexibility improvements can be obtained 100% through other methods like if it was a if it was a an adaptation that you could only get from this type of training this flexibility type of training I'd be like well then we kind of have to make an argument that this is a major component because if we say these adaptations are good this is what we want we want to have you know good ranges of motion at different joints and again depending on the individual population etc but if we can't get that in any other way, then and there has to become a, like flexibility training has to become a major component then. However, you can still get improvements in flexibility by doing something like resistance training. You can even get it by doing something like aerobic training or anaerobic yeah. training, you know, especially if people are like, oh, well, I have like tight ankles, tight hips or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, if you go out for a run, like you're probably going to go beyond your capacity to load those tissues but effectively if you are if you do have tight calves or ankles or whatever you want to say uh, and you go for a run like you're probably going to be in bits the next few days but you've actually just done a huge amount of passive flexibility work because you've used the force and we'll say it's active flexibility work then and active passive flexibility work whatever you want to call it because you've effectively used that downward strike of you know your foot hitting the ground to stretch out your calf every single time you know so you probably go walk on there and fuck my calves like they're they're in bits but you've just done a load of flexibility work for that muscle you know so even just thinking of it then it's like like think about the adaptation that you would do to get looser calves or if they're they're tight you would effectively stretch the achilles tendon area you know so you pull your foot up you know or towards you if you're looking down at your foot you pull your foot towards you cool you're like okay or you may just have it that elevated and push your heel down both of those things that's effectively what would happen if you were to go for uh, a run yeah. you know so it's like the this flexibility stuff is still being done with other methods you know especially it's, it's easy to see how it's being done with like uh, resistance training or strength training whatever you want to call it because you can see that you're clearly actively going through these ranges like you do something like you're like oh my, my hips are tight if I get you to go through a squat movement it's like we just stretched out everything in that area, yeah. you know? Or like you said earlier on, you're like, oh, my hamstrings are tight. And like, you do an RDL or something, it's like, 
like you're stretching out that area. That's exactly the exact same as you, know, you see someone who, oh, what's your hamstring stretch? And they put their foot up, elevate their foot on something and effectively hinge at the hips. You know, it's like, this is the exact same thing you're doing in like an RDL, you know? So it's like, okay, like again, like it's being touched on with the resistance training or even the anaerobic or aerobic training, right? So again, in my mind, I'm like, this. Is, I, I, if it's being touched on with other things and quite effectively, you know, then it can't be a major component of fitness. If at, at best, it's a minor component. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you, you, you want to ask yourself, like, especially when, when we know that most people do not reach the exercise guidelines, it's not about making them more complex. Like you do not want to make them more complex for the vast majority of the population. You want to ask yourself, what are the things that give you the biggest bang for your buck? And if we can take care of a bit of that flexibility component with our resistance training, then like, boom, you're on the way. And as you said, if that wasn't the case, we'd have to think a lot harder about whether or not we wanted to recommend people, you know, do stretching every day. You know, do, is this worth 15, 20, 30 minutes of your day? If, if it was the case that, for example, for someone to bend down and pick something off the ground, we were not going to get any adaptations that were going to get us there without doing stretching. It's like, oof, I, I, that's an important thing. Mm. I might have to think about them having to do that. Same if someone was trying to reach up to the top shelf and they weren't able to get it up because they didn't have the shoulder range of motion. Um, if, if that was a flexibility problem that could only be fixed by stretching, again, you're thinking like, that's something we might want to work on, you know? But when we know that doing something like if someone was doing it, a dumbbell overhead press, they're doing the same movement. They're doing it with resistance. They're getting complementary benefits at both in both of those things, like similar to someone doing a deadlift from the floor. If they're practicing that and they're getting better at picking things off the floor while also increasing their muscle mass, while also getting a, a, a bit of an aerobic challenge through that, and while also you know increasing their actual muscle strength, then... I see that as being a very useful use of our time. It's just, it's the same as I was saying, you know, if we were to give population level guidelines of what resistance training should look like, I wouldn't be starting by thinking about like bicep curls mm. or, or calf raises, you know, well, maybe, but you're, you're going to be thinking well, about, sorry. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you're going to be thinking about your kind of classical compound type movements that will make an, that will be an effective use of someone's time if they only have 20 or 30 minutes to, mm. to train, you know? So no, no one will be saying that, um, bicep curls are a major component of a fitness program that we should recommend to everyone. It's like, yeah, they might be complementary, but we could take care of that, you know, challenge against elbow flexion in something like a, a pull down or a row. Yeah, yeah. That's also training other things. So it's about e being economical and considering like what exactly we want to achieve and in, in as short a period of time as possible. Yeah, again, like it, it, the, the crux of the issue is we're talking about a major component of fitness. Mm -hmm. and again, as we've, we've touched on, hopefully that's convinced you that flexibility work is not necessarily a major component of fitness it doesn't that doesn't mean that it's not a component of fitness it just means that you know maybe maybe your session shouldn't be equally spread if you're saying like again if the thought process we talked about before if you're like okay the who does this or what does this incentivize you know that's what you should be thinking when you make a recommendation it's like what what does a program look like if you think flexibility work is a major component of fitness then that means that you have to then make some sort of judgment call in terms of how that fits in with your other components of fitness, right? So if you're saying, okay, I want to be a well-rounded individual and you're saying fit or flexibility is a major component, that means if you have an hour to train, you're probably going to do 20 minutes strength training, 20 minutes cardiovascular training, 20 minutes, you know, flexibility work, right? And again, assuming that you're, you value all of them 
equally. You're like, this is a major component. I want to be well-rounded. I want to be a fucking generalist. Just mm-hmm. hit everything, hit all the major components and do that. But that's not how most people are training, right? And that's not, even people that say that like flexibility is a major component. They're, they're not training that way. They're doing their resistance training or they're doing their strength work, whatever that looks like for them. And maybe they're layering on some cardiovascular work. And then maybe... If they're like, okay, yeah, I notice my adductors are always a, a little bit tight for me as an individual, and I like to be able to get into these positions with these movements. So I do a few passive stretches for them. Maybe it feels good for them. Maybe they're like, I actually notice a benefit from doing this. But they're they're spending, you know, maybe five minutes, you know, on that, you know. So and again, it's very targeted because they're like, this I can see the benefit from this. The, this benefits me in x maybe gets them into a better position for their strength work later on you know they're just like i need a little bit of you know flexibility physio magic tricks and mm-hmm. um, to get me into this better position so i can actually get a more effective workout you know again that's perfectly fine i would argue then that you probably want to strengthen those areas that passive flexibility long term so that you don't have to do that mm-hmm. all the time to get into those good positions you know again coming back to earlier it's like if you always have to stretch out your ankles to get into a good position for a squat it's like oh maybe a squat isn't the best for you or maybe that type of squat isn't the best for you can we switch you on to something else and still get the benefits of that you know or maybe can we get a, a higher elevation of the heel or something else you know um rather than having to constantly stretch to get into a position that is arbitrary unless you are a powerlifter and I know your your federation doesn't allow elevated heels or something. I don't, I don't know, you know. Or again, like you're an Olympic lifter and you're like, I need to do that because I need to catch in the bottomest yeah. bottomest position uh, possible. I'm like, okay, that makes makes sense. But again, if you're struggling with flexibility and you want to be an Olympic lifter, I'm sorry, you should have a look. <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time o- o- overall, you know. Um, but yeah, so do you think that covers first of all what flexibility is? Touched on mobility as well and the major components of fitness yes yes sir right so we've made an argument we're saying that this is not a major component of fitness right and we've also made the argument of what flexibility is somewhat defined it anyway how, how do we go about training this right because i want to just talk about a few modalities of training this and we've touched on a few just true strength training you mm-hmm. can get this true cardiovascular training you can get this and um, and then I want to talk about a few populations who may actually just benefit from flexibility. If we're saying that a general yeah. population, uh, probably not you know, spending a lot of time on that. But obviously there are populations that's like, okay, there's some key areas that we maybe want to focus on. Here's in it. But before we do that, we have to touch on how do you train flexibility? Like what's the source? You're, you're actually a qualified... Uh, flexibility specialist. Flexibility <laughs> specialist. Well, mobility specialist. Mobility I mean, specialist. So how, how do you... Well, you're actually doubly qualified because I'm also qualified mobility yeah. specialist. I could say I'm doubly. I do yoga. I'm qualified in yoga as well. So you just have a physio degree. So we'll, we'll, we'll put it out to you. You know, people are going to come to a physio and say, I have tight X. I have no range of motion or limited range of motion here. Well, how do physios train that? Yeah, I remember actually looking into it a while back in terms of like, like trying to get an idea of like what, what sort of research we actually have on proper like flexibility um, interventions and, and things to improve joint range of motion and like it's kind of I think it's a bit detached from what really seems to work in the real world like for example looking at like practices that you would have engaged in and people like Mark have done like people who I know have gotten the splits and you know Ido Portal and all these types of people who have done lots of like more so 
resistance-based stretching, you could call it. Like it's basically different types of interventions that would fall under the umbrella of loaded stretching. Like there's a lot of people that seem to have had good success with that in, in the real world, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of research on that to show, you know, how does this fare against other types of interventions? Um, so like, yeah, you can, you can do your basic, like, right, let's do a static stretch, hold for 30 seconds, leave it off, hold for 30 seconds, leave it off. And, you know, that will work for people. Um, and that, and there's, there's multiple different mechanisms proposed as to why someone would have an increase in range of motion. Um, after such intervention so like yeah you can just do your casual kind of hold static stretch 30 seconds 60 seconds 120 seconds whatever you want to hold it keep it static try and push it a little bit more into the range of motion as time goes on because typically what you'll find is that when you're doing any sort of kind of stretching workout the first 10 seconds you're like oh god this position's really difficult but then like you ease into it you kind of calm down you're your nervous system will start to let you go a little bit further and then you're, you're getting further as you go through the workout. So you're, st you're starting to push yourself that little bit further and then the hope would be that the next time you come back to do that, you'll be starting from a position that's a little bit further into the range of motion already. Um, but to be honest, like I think it, it does make a lot more sense for people to use interventions that do bring in some sort of load, especially as they get to more extreme ranges of motion uh, because it does get difficult even to pull yourself into certain positions. And I think trying to strengthen positions that you have access to makes a lot of sense, you know, conceptually at least. And um, so you, you, when you did, when you went about trying to get your splits initially, I believe you did some of this sort of loaded stretching stuff. What yeah, did that, the, the, what way, did that the way I look at it, just to kind of reiterate some of the stuff yeah. you just said, is like you have like your, again, like passive flexibility stuff, you know? And again, that's generally what people think of when they think of flexibility. They, they're purely thinking passive with maybe an active component in layered on top of that. Like say they might be like, oh, my hamstrings are tight. They might be like, okay, show a hamstring stretch, you know, like put, plop it up there onto something elevated and then kind of hinge at the hips while trying to keep your, your leg relatively straight. And you're like, oh, I feel a little bit of tension here, right? And people will generally hold that for 10, 30 seconds, 10 to 30 seconds, somewhere around that and be like, oh, yeah, really stretch that out. You know, or they might be like, oh, my IT band is, you know, uh, tight and they might do some sort of like leg over leg, you know, fucking stretch here, you know? Um, and that's the kind of stuff that most people are engaging in. They're like, okay, cool, you have a tight muscle, you're going to effectively put that much muscle into a lengthened position and um, whatever that looks like for that individual muscle, get into some contorted position so that you can lengthen that muscle, get into that <coughs> lengthened range um, and then hold that for 10 to 30 seconds, right? And that's what most people consider yeah. flexibility training, stretching, you know? However, there is much more beyond that, right? And you touched on that, first of all, the first thing which I'd, I'd like to touch on is that whole neurological aspect because a lot of flexibility training is effect effectively just uh, overcoming, we'll call it neurological inhibition, right? Your, your muscle, muscle as a separate entity to you, <laughs> is effectively communicating with your nervous system, again, as a separate entity from you, uh, and then saying, I feel I'm in danger here. I'm in, I'm in a lengthened range. I don't, like, I don't want, I'm, I'm fearful in this position because I'm, I don't, I'm not strong in this position. Your muscle knows that it's like, Oh, there's the tension on this muscle here. Because again, even like passively, you just put your leg up on the, the counter here and kind of leaned over. You're like, there's, there's tension on that muscle, you know? Um, and your muscles going, Oh, there's, mm, I'm scared. Right. And effectively you have to get over that communication. You have to let, let that muscle, 
feel confident in that position that you're not going to all of a sudden jar forward or you're not going to you know really push deep into it uh, and effectively that's the first step with all stretching right and first of all most people are not getting that because they're only holding things for 10 to 30 seconds mm-hmm. they're never getting into that you know we'll say past the two minute range where their body's like okay this is safe this is not a dangerous position you know again like think about like that would be the same as doing one squat and being like oh, I'm, I'm yeah, done, done with squats no 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 done, we're done we're done fuck it I'm I can't do them right you've never actually given that muscle in this context or that movement time to actually you know feel confident doing that right so again that's where first of all most people are getting it wrong they're not holding things for long enough if they are going to engage in static stretching right it needs to be longer right but then the next thing on top of that is which I think is really beneficial this is how I would start someone off on a flexibility journey if it's like this is a major component of your goals right and you're a gymnast or something right the next step then is we'll call it active passive stretching what i mean by that is the antagonistic muscle like we were saying earlier on so the opposite muscle you would then do some sort of mm-hmm. contraction for that right and it's actually very easy to see this is actually a really good way of enhancing certain uh resistance training uh, exercises as well but we'll come to that in a second and um, if you were to do say again that hamstring stretch rather than just like passively kind of pushing yourself over like hinging at the hips if your foot up on some elevation whatever and just hinging at the hips what you would then do is get into that hinged over position and then flex your quad right so you've already felt confident in that little bit of a stretch on your your hamstring but now what you're going to do is actively contract the quad as hard as you can and obviously we'll say or pe9 (laughs) contraction uh, and that's going to again put that hamstring under a little bit more load because you're actually getting that full, full terminal knee extension or again 99% of that terminal knee extension you know and again that's putting a little bit more tension on the hamstring and for me that's the majority of people tick the box with their flexibility work that's all they actually need to learn to do is actually fully contract the opposite muscle you know most people are saying like oh my hamstrings are tight but realistically and this is a little bit somewhat controversial it's like well your quads are probably weak your hip flexors are probably weak and i don't like using that kind of thought process but for the majority of people that is actually the issue because they just never actually like you wouldn't be able to sit here and just extend your leg out in front of you you know like if you're sitting down right now listening to this like are you able to fully extend your leg out as if you were to do a uh, quad extension you know like a leg extension machine like that's effectively the movement you're doing to stretch your your hamstring right and most people are just terrifyingly weak in that shortened position for their quad you know like they're, they're just not able to get into that and obviously those two things are related like maybe they're not able to get into that position because their their hamstrings are tight or the opposite could be true where they're not able to fully contract their quads so their hamstrings never get into a lengthened position you know and more like a fully lengthened position but anyway that would be the next step and then after that what you can do is start actually loading the end ranges of movement that you're in you know so again if we take the, the hamstring here effectively you would load that you can load that a number of ways right again like something like an ordl that end range position of an ordl it's a little bit hard to do if you're you're tall like me because the bar is just effectively miles out in front of you if you're trying to uh load it and it's all just going to be your, your low back and i should know it on this when we're going to get into some uh whatever you want to call it uh progressively overloaded stretching whatever um using weights to stretch whatever whatever terminology you want to use for this 
it, it is never at any stage just like relying on passive tissue, right? So in this case, if you're stretching out your, your hamstring and all of the stretch, whatever you want to call it, is effectively just coming from the ligaments and tendons in your lower back because you're like just hanging off them. Like you see people do like a, a Jefferson curl for this and they're like, oh, I'm stretching out my hamstrings and it's all their lower back is doing all the work. The weight is just hanging yeah. off that structure. Their hamstring got to its end range and there's no range left for this to go. So the, the extra range has to come from somewhere and they're effectively just hanging off passive tissue, which again may actually be the goal, but for most people, that's probably not the goal. Um, so uh, after that, again, we've talked about the hamstring here. So you're in that hamstring stretch, you're in that position. You're like, okay, I flex the quads. I'm able to do that. I'm able to hold that for 30 to 30 seconds to two minutes. We'll say, right, so I got over this neurological inhibition. I'm also strengthening this opposite, like opposing muscle. Now I actually want to strengthen the ranges that I've created, right? Uh, again, you can do this in one workout. It can be a progressive thing over weeks, months, whatever. Um, and then again, you can be like, okay, I'm going to get something like an RDL. Maybe that works for you. Maybe it doesn't. You could get something like a... Uh, a good morning maybe that works for you maybe again it's like oh this is low back i'm just moving not getting the hamstring into this maybe you do something like a, a pancake stretch where your legs are out in front of you or maybe excuse me they're out in somewhat of a straddle and again you're just loading by leaning forward uh, again flexing the quads um and maybe you could argue as well pulling the toes up although that's probably just more calf than hamstring um <laughs> But, uh, and then again, you'd be like, okay, cool. I've got that. I'm able to use my body weight. I'm able to effectively do a seated leg extended straddle. Good morning. And then you could start adding load to that as well. Where you're like, okay, I'm going to put like a barbell on my back or a plate on my back and effectively either do reps in and out of that. Or if you're like, I just want to feel more confident in that bottom range position, strengthen that and effectively use a weight to, like we were doing earlier on, effectively use a weight to, you know, give me a little bit more range here so that eventually when I get to this, it's like you can start bringing your hand back. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I have a little bit more. And we just keep doing this where it's like, okay, you can actually use a little bit more and more. You could also use that again, like a barbell or, you know, plate on your back or whatever and do that kind of straddle pancake stretch and effectively just lean forward and let that weight push you into a position that you wouldn't have been able to get into yourself just through active means right again that would be a lot of you would argue or use loaded progressive stretching like that where they just you have a weight that forces them into a position however most people like i was saying earlier on that can be somewhat uh, problematic or somewhat of a problem because people then just effectively like hang off of passive tissue, like their, their ligaments and tendons and stuff in the low back. And it's like, that you're, this should be on the hamstring, not, not your uh, vertebrae. Um, but then if you're like, okay, cool, you want to bring some movement into that stretching then as well. So again, like you would do some hinging effectively, like you would do a good morning, like you would do an RDL. And again, you're, you're effectively just lengthening the muscle, getting strong under load with that muscle, and then using the muscle to bring it back. And effectively, that's, at that stage, it's no different than resistance training. Yeah, right? that's the and same. A lot of the time, it actually hasn't been different than resistance training. Even if you go back and be like, I'm just going to uh, use the antagonistic muscle, like we were saying earlier on, like the, the quad to the hamstring, you need to like actually learn to flex your quads. Again, I use the example of a, a quad extension or a leg extension. Um, like that's effectively lengthening your hamstring if you're doing it right. So you should be getting full hamstring lengthening every single time you do a quad extension otherwise you're not getting the full quad extension you know um or again like maybe the seat or whatever isn't aligned yeah. or you're you're lying seated, seated back well whatever um 
same again where people are like oh well my my hip flexors or whatever are weak they're tight and it's like you've actually never got into full hip extension like your glutes and i hate again like using this whole thing but it's like you actually like you should be getting into full where your hips being uh, stretched your hip flexors being stretched every single time you contract your glutes fully you know so if your hip flexors are tight it's like surely you aren't able to stand up straight then you know you'd have a full <laughs> anteriorly tilted, tilted pelvis you know um, but again like you think about doing something like a glute bridge it's like or uh, a hip thrust it's like you should be able to do that and again you should definitely be able to do it if you say you're doing something like a lying leg curl then yeah. you know like again it's just the same thing you're strengthening the, the opposite muscle contracting the glutes you should be lengthening or fully lengthening in that case as well like the, the quad from both sides again depending on the, the style of machine and whatever else obviously you maybe you don't have the ability to fully contract the hamstrings under load that tight anyway but yeah that's how most people would use like some sort of loaded progressive stretching like protocol they would effectively just get stronger in end ranges of motion perhaps even use a way to get them into a little bit of more passive range than they would have been able to get into but after that stage and even during that stage it is effectively no different than resistance training because that is the exact same thing resistance training is doing it's like oh we have this range we want to strengthen this range or oh we don't have this full range let's see if we can keep strengthening until we can get into that range like get stronger in that range like we've talked about before you might have an individual who can't squat the full way down you might be like okay cool, we're going to start you on a leg press we're just going to get confident get stronger in that we're going to get them to like a goblet squat we're going to get them onto a squat and it's like okay you still can't squat fully down it's like can we squat to a box and like can we slowly bring that height of that box down that's literally the exact same thing i'm talking about here with this loaded progressive stretching like there's fundamentally no difference but anyway i've been yapping on no no i'm with you like and i mean just to get back to the, the that point again about like how alike resistance training and stretching can be sometimes you know one of the things i'll do often in my warm-ups when i'm squatting is i'll do some like pause squats in the bottom of the range of motion i'll kind of shift a little bit to the left i'll shift a little bit to the right i'll force my knees out i'll hold that pause for a while and at that point it's like is this stretching not sure you know you're basically doing some sort of stretch but you're also applying it in a way that is specific to the movement and i think that's really important for lifters in particular because what a lot of people will do is they'll say i can't do a good squat because i don't have the range Whereas if you actually assess like their hip range of motion, their ankle range of motion, their knee range of motion, etc., in isolation, away from the exercise, they have the range that's it's there. It's perfect. It's often about finding a technique style that to essentially navigate the range that they have. And that can come in, in a, a number of different ways. Like, for example, someone might be moving they might be only moving at the hips at the start of the squat let's say so they're not breaking at the knees they're breaking at the hips they're shoving their hips back and they get to this point then where they've no more hip range of motion so they can't they can't go down anymore so it could be the case there that we're just we want that person to break at the knees a little bit sooner and then when you start to play around with that you get them to push their knees out you get them to maybe change the way that they brace depending on how what how their spine is set you start to find ways that they can actually use their range of motion. So that's really important when we're talking about any sort of complex movement, whether it be lifting, whether it be dancing, anything. It's not always a true range of motion deficit just because you can't do something that involves a lot of range of motion. Often it can be a skill component. So that's why I'm really a big fan of trying to put the two together in the form of something like pause squats, in the form of something like, I don't know, your deficit deadlift. Sometimes that can be really nice sometimes for people to get used to 
trying to produce force in that bottom position where they're really starting to get to the end ranges of some muscles that they're working with. Um, so yeah, um, no need to totally delineate the two. If you can bring both together and use the complexity of the movement to your advantage, really good idea. Progressive loaded stretching, definitely a good idea. But again, all, the whole point of this was to say that these situations where someone really needs to focus on improving quote unquote flexibility or make it a priority in their program, they're pretty niche situations. So these solutions are not necessarily for everyone listening to this podcast. If you're someone with a body composition goal, a strength goal, like you don't need to really worry about this too much. If you're someone who you do aerial dancing, you do Taekwondo, you do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and you have identified, you've identified specific ranges of motion that you really struggle with, you can certainly make a case that this stuff might be a little bit more important. But again, you have to ask yourself how much time you actually have, because I think we've said it before, but you know, if you're struggling to lock in your triangle in Jiu Jitsu or whatever, and you think that your hip range of motion is the limiting factor, there are many people who just adjust their technique, the way they perform that, that, that choke or whatever, whatever you want to call it, to basically do it better with, the, with their range of motion constraints. So there's, there's always ways around these things too. And you have to ask yourself, if I don't have much time available to train, would it be a better use of my time to you know, spend an extra half an hour meeting up with one of, the, one of the lads, one of the girls and drilling triangles or just do isolated stretches? And I think a lot of the time you can make the case for practicing the movement, practicing the movement, practicing the movement. And if that's going nowhere and there's that deficit is still present, that's when I'd start to think about specifics a bit more. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. Like if you're going to effectively try to integrate some sort of stretching, because like you said, you've identified that you're a population or a person that needs this. Like again, for, we'll just touch on those again, is like someone that has a huge amount of passive or active flexibility demands in their sport again like you said aerial dance maybe gymnastics maybe martial arts you know maybe i don't know something else that just has a lot of flexibility demands right you might be like okay i need i need to work on this maybe again you're brazilian jiu-jitsu and you are a fan of like 10th planet jiu-jitsu and you're like i need to learn this rubber guard stuff you know and you're like but my hips they feel like they're fucking cement you know um i need to do some hip flexibility work knee IT band, all of the sh- shebang here, glutes, everything. You're like, I just, I just need to do flexibility work for this because I really like that style of game and I want to be able to, to do that, right? So you've identified that you're a population that wants to do this. As Gary said, you then have to go, okay, well, like, where are my deficits overall mm-hmm. in my my overall health, fitness, you know, and sporting performance, you know, is this something that I need to, you know, put a lot of time and effort into or am I neglecting other areas that are actually more of a priority? Like, excuse me, you can make an argument that, you know, if you aren't strong enough for your your given sport, you know, like you have glaring strength deficits. So I'm like huge on like having strength specific goals for, you know, or targets for different sports, although it is a good kind of be all and end yeah. all kind of like, oh yeah, just, you know, catch, or sorry, not a be all and end all, a catch all uh, for uh, sporting performance. It's like, okay, you should be able to squat at least, you know, your body weight on the bar, something like that, whatever it is, you know, if you're not able to do those, again, like an easy one for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it's like, if you're not able to bench press off uh, your weight class, you know, like I say, you're what, you're what the, 
65. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're in a 75 kilo weight class, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, a bit more than that now. So, it's winter. <laughs> something like that. We'll say 75 kilos. Like, if you're not, if you legitimately are not able to bench press 75 kilos, like, I would make an argument that that's probably a bigger detriment to your sporting performance. I feel attacked. Than, uh, than you know, flexibility work, you know? Yeah. Uh, but again, like, that's not to say that, like, the bench press is the be all and end all exercise for. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm just saying, like, you want to be able to have the strength, someone that has you in fucking side control to, you know, press that off. Because, like, you're already in a worse position if you're in side control where you're effectively, if you've got your fucking uh, things in and you're you're basically on your elbows, you know, you're basically doing a skull crusher yeah, to push someone off, you know? Brother. And obviously, like, you're going to be bridging as well. It's not just that in particular. But effectively, what I'm saying is, like, you know, you want to have a, a surplus of strength in those oh, positions. Yeah. So you're in sure. worse positions. You're able to translate that extra strength you have in other positions into that, you know? Um, so, again, you have to take that into to account. It's like, well, where are you in your overall fitness? You know, all the components of fitness. Like, if you are not fit enough to do a full round, it's like, fuck it doesn't matter yeah. you're trying to do a fucking rubber guard it's like you, you can't do a full round it's like it's irrelevant you know um, so again you might be like okay well for me I need to work on way more strength and way more flexibility or sorry uh, fitness than flexibility that comes down down the line you know it's like okay cool I'm fit enough to do fucking 10 rounds back to back no bother it's easy right I'm strong enough that you know I, I'm, I'm muscling people around in my weight class right then you're like okay cool there's actually clearly some flexibility deficits that I have here here and here you've identified them because you've noticed them in your training and then you're like I'm going to integrate that into my resistance training or whatever and, and touch on them and again this is this is, comes into like the actual implementation and it's actually very easy to do but also very hard to do because first of all you have to identify the issues identify the areas and then figure out how you can put that into your plan overall and you have a few options with this you can do it beforehand again some would argue that you know doing flexibility work beforehand is probably not great because again you maybe have lower power output if you're doing it in, in, in before uh, resistance training but again even e- that it's like mostly easily easily, like, easily overcome as yeah. well like say you have an upper body flexibility deficit and every day you're training lower body do the upper body flexibility yeah. stuff fucking easy right and um, or vice versa, it's lower body one, do it while you're training upper body, it's irrelevant then, you know? Um, uh, and maybe you just train full body and maybe it's a bit more of a concern, but most people aren't supersetting or doing upper and lower body at the same time straight after, you know? So it's like, again, you can be put in either at the start or at the end of that resistance training. Cool, it's five minutes, it's targeted very specifically to uh, a, a flexibility deficit that you've identified. It's not like, I'm going to generically work on my shoulders today. It's like, that's in my mind. I'm like, okay, spend that five minutes doing something like an overhead press. And you've, you've done all the stuff that you were going to spend five minutes going, Hey, okay. I'm going to stretch my arm out here. You know, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people just end up doing a lot of stuff just as a ritual. And it, and it gets to the point where it's like, you're using 15 minutes of your time. Are you sure this is benefiting you? You know, maybe change up the ritual, do something else, you know? Um, So yeah, you have to identify actual issues, not just fucking generic. Like I'm going to do someone I saw online, like like we have online, we have a, in our YouTube library, we have a generic lower body, uh, activation warm-up and the generic upper body activation warm-up stuff that's it it's generic it's like you shouldn't be doing all of that like it takes like five minutes so you could argue that it's like just bang that in you've touched on everything before your workout no big deal fucking see you later you're done right and that's effectively what i do but uh because i've already worked on all these issues beforehand i've identified it and then i've worked on them but uh 
that that can be just your the extent of your flexibility work again you might be like okay cool i'm in work i can do a few fucking you know hamstring stretches it's no big deal something i've identified that is an issue you could be sitting at your desk and you're like i need to actually work on my rubber guard so i'm actually going to you know put my foot across get that kind of 1990 kind of position walks past your legs over your head or some shit you know what i mean so again like you can can integrate it into your day for sure you know um but the main ways that I generally think about integrating fitness or sorry, flexibility into my overall fitness component are either before or after the workout, right? Or you could also then do in, in intra workout in terms of, again, you could be doing something like a lower body exercise and you could be stretching out your pecs or something, you know, like that's they're not going to interfere with each other. You're going to be taking a whatever 60 to 120 or 180 second break anyway, between your sets, you might as well stretch your pec out, stretch your pec out, right? ready to go again in my leg press or whatever it is you know it's, it's literally not that hard to integrate again you might notice again like certain stretches certain specific ones actually improve your performance for that day like we were saying earlier on you might stretch out your ankle or something and then you'd be like oh cool i can actually squat into a better position for that day that's perfect again that's not the end of that then if you've noticed that you're like okay i clearly have a flexibility deficit and it's not like it's not optimal it's holding me back because i know when i when i flexibility work it i do some physio tricks to it and i, <laughs> I get these flexibility benefits going forward you know for that workout then surely i should work on this overall you'd be much better again doing some loaded progressive stretching in that which for you could look like okay i'm actually gonna train my calves i know shock horror but if you're like Jesus. oh I, i'm gonna i'm going to uh, I, I notice i always have a better you know squat workout if i stretch out my my calves beforehand it's like well why don't you do something like a seated calf raise at the end of your workout or at the start of your workout if you think it's good but effectively try to get stronger in that bottom range of motion you know or again you might be like okay i'm gonna actually strengthen the opposite muscle because no one trains the fucking anterior tibialis. You know, it's like, why, why, don't, you, why don't you actually fucking train it? It makes your fucking calves look juicy. That's the only muscle I train, obviously. obviously. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like, like, you know there's a benefit here. You're leaving stuff on the table because you know if you don't do these stretches before your workout, you don't have a good time. You don't have a, a good workout. So why don't you actually get strong in these ranges of motion long term? You know, so you can actually potentiate those results without having to spend five, ten minutes before your workout to get into a good position for your workout. You know, it should just be a ra- like if you know these are ranges that you need for your every everyday life, if your training life, then get strong in those. Don't don't just neglect and be like, oh, I need to do a stretch to get good in that position. And there's another thing I want to touch on. Finally, is the thing that is often just neglected to be mentioned in all this flexibility stuff, and I did touch on it earlier on. Uh, when I was talking about people hanging off like uh, you know ligaments tendons and stuff is a lot of people are actually just at their end range of motion when they say they're tight right and what I mean by that they're either at the end range of that muscle you know it's like it's not actually able to lengthen anymore like that's the full extent of that lengthening and I'm just distinguishing that from just the end range of that joint obviously those two things are completely related but you know there is a potential that your muscle can't go any further even if your joint can right for example you might be like in the splits or something you'd be like well like my there's the, the muscles are or uh, sorry i say front front splits you know maybe like my muscles are fully lengthened here but maybe my uh hip isn't right and what i mean by that is you know you might actually be able to get if you have that knee bent you might actually be able to get into a deeper exactly. position right so if you were to do a splits 
and the front knee was bent, right, it's over a box or something, you might actually be able to get into a far deeper position. But you're not able to get into that position because the muscle is at its full length when you have the, the front, the, the leg out straight, you know? So again, those, those two things. But the, the end of your muscle range, that's a little bit less of an issue because again, that can be somewhat worked. It takes years, but can somewhat be worked on over time and you can lengthen that to an extent, you know, to what extent you would want to. Mm, it's debatable. Like, do you want this extra long muscle that, you know, it's, it's unfunctional except if you get into this really, really deep, deep position, which no one ever gets into in their everyday life and even then it's like is this really going to like are we talking the difference of a few centimeters here or are we talking the difference of like half a millimeter here you know like it's, it's very hard to actually tell of how how much lengthening of an actual muscle you could do but yeah. i would argue it's it's probably very minimal right yeah. but some people would argue more i'm not here to judge i don't think there's actually that much science yeah to, that, that's the hard thing here is that like it's very difficult to delineate all this stuff and say, all right, look, the tendon changed length by this much, the muscle changed length by this much. Um, was this all just due to the, the nervous system? Was it connective tissue? It's like, you know, the, it's, it, it, it doesn't necessarily matter in the real world, but it's, de- it's, in, it's of interest to me. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and then on to the next bit, then is uh, again, you could be at the end range of your joint, which is probably more of an issue for the majority of people. People actually just get to the end range of their joint and then they're like, oh, I, I feel tight. It's like, yeah, it's because it's bone on bone here. There's n- there's nothing extra. Like, there, you can't go anywhere. Like, you're, the fucking femur in, is in, like, the, it can't, like, there's a ball in your hip here. It, there's a bone in the way. Unless you're going to chip bits off your fucking, you know, hip, your pelvis, there's, there's nowhere extra for this to go. It's like you're at the end range of your hip, right? Um, and again, you can somewhat get around that by having like maybe your knees angled out a little yeah. bit. And, you know, again, it's a ball and socket joint. So, you know, there's, there is, some rotation here you know but either way it's like for some joints you're just at the limit of the actual bony structure you know it's uh, there's bone on bone it's not actually bone on bone but yeah, you know yeah. you're actually there's the, the bone is in the way of you getting any further into this stretch you know and um, so that's unfortunately for a lot of people that's the issue and they're like oh well i i, I want to get deeper again you might be in a squat or something and be like i can't get past i can't even get down to 90 degrees and it's like yeah because you're at the end range of your knee flexion because otherwise you would just tip forward with the barbell or something. But the main issue is you're at the end range of your hip here, right? And again, that might be because, you know, maybe you need to elevate your heels. That's something that you can then come around because you're not actually at the end range of your hip then anymore. You're like, okay, cool. But if you were to just look at that and be like, oh, I am, I need to do some either hip flexor stretching there and they feel tight or something when really it's just you're at the very end range of your your bone in the hip. You know, it's again, that's in the way there. It's not your hip flexors being tight. Or you might be like, oh, I actually need to stretch out my glutes or my hamstrings. I, that'll get me into a deeper position. It's like, no, you're just, you don't need to change your technique so that you can, again, stay in a more upright position so you're not getting to that end range of motion. Or again, it's like, you need to just completely not use that exercise because, or redefine how you're using that exercise and be like, yeah, there's no reason for me to be, deeper than this position because i don't have that range available to that joint so that's unfortunately something that is never touched on well rarely touched on with flexibility work it's like you can actually be at the limit of your body's capacity you know it's like people like oh well you seem to stretch more it's like you're not stretching bone mate yeah and that is a really important point because that was something i was going to bring up is like like your genetics do determine like a lot of this stuff as in like 
most people that are going to be going into gymnastics and reach a high level, like they tend to do it at a very young age and they're somewhat self-selected for the sport in that it's, you know, a young girl or boy, you know, who they were, they were really flexible. They were doing all these cartwheels and they were putting their legs over their heads and someone said to them, you know, oh, you should, uh, you should try gymnastics, you know, and suddenly they were fantastic at it. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to be able to go and get the splits, you know, and I'm sure it would suit your bias to just be like, oh, like I've got it. the splits, bro. You're all, you're all fucking I say, weak. I say, I say it all the time. People, people make all these fucking random strength standards where yeah. it's like, oh no, you, you need to be able to squat X amount or whatever. And like, I'm partial to a squat, like, you know, but I could also do the exact same and be like, oof, you're not actually a functioning Can't human. Do the splits. Like you actually don't have functioning hips. You're not subhuman unless you can do both splits. You can do fucking forward splits and a box splits, you know, unless you can do both of those. Your hips don't work and you're subhuman. Yeah. You're not strong enough. Right? That's exactly it. Like I could easily do that. So again, if you want to go by my biases, <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, so, so like it is important to understand that, that like joint morphology does vary between individuals. Like, you know, there's there's different shapes of like in the hip. The hip is a really nice illustration because in the hip, you can have variation in the actual hip capsule itself. You know, for example, it might rib out a little bit more in some people. It might face more forward in some people face more backwards in others and then the actual the neck of the femur the head of the femur itself um the even the angle of the femur all these different things they can all vary as well so when you've got you've got this interaction between the ball and the socket both of which can vary that means we've got like lots of different variations then in the population and that that's then kind of reflected in the way some some sports are selected for like in populations often that are really really good at, at olympic weightlifting what you tend to see is that they have you know good joint morphology for being able to get really nice in, into a deep squat and good overall like anthropometry in terms of like torso to femur length that would make it favorable that they would be good at that sport so you do have to appreciate that stuff another example would be if you've ever seen like an actual spine um an, an anatomical model or something you can see how the way that the joints are built tell you exactly what range of motion is going to be available at, at each joint. Um, and one of the things a lot of people say is that, well, you need to work in your thoracic extension. You need to work in your thoracic extension. Whereas the thoracic spine doesn't actually really extend. Even in the most flexible individuals, people who can touch their head off their ass, their thoracic spine just about reaches neutral. And the extension comes from the cervical spine. It comes from the lumbar spine. And obviously they've got quite a bit of range of motion through their hips to allow them to get into that position. So we have to understand what limitations are present at different joints. That's the first thing. Then you have to understand that they, they're going to vary between people and then understand that, you know, if, you, if you're currently someone who has very little range at a given joint for whatever reason or in a given position, that you mightn't be able to attain the, the top level of that, you know, and that's fairly intuitive with most fitness qualities. You know, if, you were, if you've been training for five years and you've only got your squat up to 90 kilos, you're probably not going to squat 300 kilos. Like it's probably not going to happen. The same with something like a, a side splits in particular. Like if you don't have the hip morphology to be able to do a side splits with, especially with your feet down, like your hips kind of in a relatively internally rotated position, that's only going to be possible with certain hips. With some hips, it's just not going to happen. And that's not just because they, that, those, that person's adductors are uniquely tight, so to speak. It's because the, the hip morphology is, is only going to allow them to get to a certain position and you can't really go much further after that, you know? 100%. I think that's all we've got time for. Um, so where can people find us? You can find us 
on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, all those typical social media places follow triage method on all of those different platforms. But as we always say, most importantly, we'd like you to engage with our newsletter. And that's where we post all of our content that we've posted throughout the week. So if you'd like to keep up with the podcast, with the articles, with any stuff that we post in the Facebook group, sometimes we add in posts that come from our own personal Instagram, as well as additional recommended resources from around the internet um, in the form of books, in the form of podcasts, in the form of articles, basically anything that we found that we thought was pretty interesting and you might want to have a look at, you know, so that's a good thing to engage with. You can subscribe to that below and also join the triage method community that is our facebook group um basically it's a community of people who are all interested in this health and fitness stuff the the science of it some people are trainers lots of people are just trainees and it's a nice it's a nice environment like this this paper when i found it initially shared it right into the group you know so this is where if we find interesting papers and stuff we're going to post them in there and hopefully open up some discussion um and yeah you can check out our youtube channel we're posting a good bit of content there as well obviously the podcasts all go up on youtube so if you'd like to pop on like when i'm watching podcast when i'm popping on podcasts when i'm cooking or something i always put them on on youtube just because hassle of opening itunes and your laptop and stuff you know effort of that um and yeah what, what else do we have we've got our services of course if you'd like to engage with our services we'll probably put on a little bit of a discount as we head into the new year maybe you know yes well not for one-to-one one coaching yeah not for one-to-one one coaching because that doesn't go on sale but other than that, we will have an offer on some of our program templates, um, on our ebooks, and on the group coaching as well. Um, so if you'd like to engage with any of those ser- services, um, what day? Today will be Monday. So next week from now, you'll be able to to check out some of those. So once you've gotten, you've opened all your Christmas cards, you got all your cash money in, you put it in the bank, it's on your card. Then you'll be ready to make your purchases for the new year and. Uh, yeah, so if you do want to save yourself some money and you're thinking mm, the group coaching or one of those ebooks, I'd probably just wait. Yeah. Until the new year, even though you know it could still say get making money over Christmas. You know, it saves you guys money. And that's ultimately a, a benefit, especially if you're going for the group coaching because those discounts last a lifetime. You know, mm-hmm. and while it's not much, I think it's a ten percent discount for group coaching. It adds up. You know, it, it adds up over like you effectively get yourself a, a month or two free over a year. You know, which is. You know, good going. I think it's only a month that you get free, but either way, um, like it's it's good going for for just you know a code, which you know you're probably gonna start health and fitness stuff in in you know January, or you're gonna renew it, or you're gonna fucking outsource it or whatever. It's a good time to be like, okay, cool, I'm gonna spend money on this and see what it's like. You know. Anyway, I have nothing else to say, Gary. You? Nope, nothing else. Just that it is, in fact, too easy. And of course, enjoy your Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, that too.